awesome. Well, I think the vast amount of the sermon that I have for today for you has been preached already. <laughs> and that's awesome, because it means that we're listening to the same God. But a, a chord struck with me when we were talking just then about how close God is. And I know for some of you, that's not how you feel. I know for some of you, you feel like God is a long way away. And I think we need to pray about that right now. So let's pray. Lord, I pray that the feelings out there this morning of you being a long way away, those feelings would come under the truth that you are near to us. I pray, Lord, for those who feel that you are a long way away this morning, that, Lord, they would see you in the distance and know that they have created the distance. Walk towards them, Lord. Come closer and closer and closer. Wrap your arms around them, Lord. Look them deep in the eye and remind them that they are loved. And Lord, I pray for everyone, either here or online, that Lord, that right now, your presence would be so close. So close. Because that's the truth. And I pray for those who are weary and tired and sick. Strength, Lord. Mounting up with wings like eagles. Running and not growing weary. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, it's my privilege to be here before you. My name's Ian. For those of you who don't know who I am, for those of you who do know who I am, I apologize. Um, the Elam Growth Track starts with um, a session about knowing God. And you'd think that would be relatively basic. But I'm telling you right now, if I was to unpack the full idea of knowing God and how to discover life, hope, and purpose in the process, we'd be here for the rest of the year. But I'm going to give you a flyby, and then I'm going to give it all up to you. I'm a teacher. I like to give homework. Actually, I don't like to give homework because then I have to mark it. But you know what I mean. Getting to know God. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my wife and my family and I spent about 10 or 11 years in China working there, and it came around to our 25th wedding anniversary, and we thought, we need to do something special. One of the best things about being in China is how close you are to so many other places. So we jumped on a plane, and two and a half, laters, uh, two and a half hours later, we found ourselves in Phuket, Thailand. So... When we got to Phuket, we went to this marvelous place, and we stood on this beach, and we're looking out at this beach, and this beach is like, oh, it's beautiful. And my wife turns around, romantic moment, 25th wedding anniversary, and my wife turns around and said, isn't this where the tsunami came in? <laughs> and immediate was like, <clears throat> Romance over. 
And I stood there and I thought, okay. So of course, me being me, I went to the hotel and said, is this where the tsunami came in? They said, yes. Don't worry, sir, we've rearranged everything and we've actually worked on our, our hotel so that if a tsunami comes through now, it'll flow around the buildings. It's not a problem. And I was thinking, okay. But every time from then on, when I walked out to that beach, <laughs> it's like, it's a big wave out there. <laughs> now, we'd forked out a fair amount for the hotel, and I'm one of those boring people when you actually fork out for a good hotel room. I just want to stay in it. <laughs> I paid money for this, right? But my wife is a very adventurous sort, so she took us out, and she took us to Tigerland. So if we just put that one up there, and she took us to Tigerland. These, these guys um, are about six months old. Right? Six months old. And, and there we are with these tigers in Tigerland. And no, they weren't drugged. For those of you, some people have asked me that. They were not drugged. They were playing. They were having a good time. And, and there's, you see the look on my wife's face, right? My wife is like, oh, kitty. Oh. And the look on my face is, oh, please, I'm standing behind you. Don't turn around. Um, boy, aren't you a big boy. So... As we're there, and then eventually you had to pay for each different thing that you went into. So the cubs were the most expensive, and the six-month-old ones that we were just showed, if you can just hear, um, were sort of like, you know, this much. And, and so it was, it was a bit of a trap. But then we met this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he, he was relaxed because I had been... Um, we weren't allowed to touch them above the haunches because that's, that's when they get a bit antsy and start to do things that are permanent. <laughs> so each tiger had its own um, person with it, just in case. Uh, so there, there's my wife again, ah, oh, kitty. And there's mine, man, aren't you big? I had been scratching him on the haunches and I could not make a dent in the muscle. This thing is just like solid muscle, and if he stood up, he would have been able to put his paws here and his head would have been up here somewhere. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, pound per square inch pressure on those teeth <laughs> and everything out like this, and, you know, my wife's going, oh, don't be so silly. And I'm going, this thing could wipe me out in one swipe. Sometimes that's how we look at God. Sometimes... We can both be looking at the same God, and one can be thinking, ah, Jesus, you're my best friend. And we can be looking at the same God, and it's, whoa, tsunami force here. I love C.S. Lewis, and C.S. Lewis talks about Aslan the lion, and says that Aslan is not a tame lion. When it comes to knowing God, we can be looking at the same thing like my wife and I were both looking at the same tiger and we can see completely different things. One of the challenges that I've faced over the years is to actually expand my mind to take in God as he really is rather than trying to shrink God down to something I can cope with, something that doesn't scare me. I had a moment at one point when I turned around to God and said, God, I want to see you as you really are. Now, God has a sense of humor. <laughs> In case you haven't figured that out. God has a sense of humor, and he said, are you sure? 
I said, yeah, I really want to see you as you really are. Okay, are you sitting down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really want to see you as you really are. And my mind filled with a picture that just about blew me away of a diamond with so many different facets, thousands upon thousands. I could only see a part of it. And there was God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And then there were all these thousands and thousands of facets that I had not even seen. Jehovah Jireh is my provider. Jehovah Rapha. All of these different facets of God. And the challenge for me at that point was to try and see if I could actually take a step back far enough to see God as he really was. And the answer was, no way. Can't cope with it too much so I said a better prayer after that I said God reveal to me as much as I can take (laughs) and he said smart move you see let me give you a bit of an idea I'm just going to play God for a moment here please forgive me Um, God please forgive me why do we always look up when we say that if we lived our entire existence in this piece of paper If this was our plane of existence and God was to reach down and touch our plane of existence, we would see him as a perfect circle. But we wouldn't see the rest because he is so far above and beyond anything we can ever imagine. You know, I've looked at a lot of other religions out there and um, I don't count Christianity as a religion because that's about law. But I've looked at a lot of other belief systems out there and I've found that in every case you can explain away what they believe. And if you show me a deity, if you show me a God that can be explained by human wisdom, I'll show you one that's been made up by a human mind. We have a God that's above and beyond all of those things. So just be careful what you pray. We could look at the names and characters of God for weeks, months, years. But for today, I'm going to examine two things about God. His wisdom and his glory. I want to start with wisdom because if you don't believe in God's wisdom, you'll always doubt him in other ways. We must believe, first and foremost, that what he does is right. Because if we're doubting that what he does is right... We're not going to believe in his love. We're not going to believe in in the judicious use of his power. We're not going to believe in any of those things. So first and foremost, we must know that God is wise. And in uncertain times like the ones that we're living in, we need to know that we have a certain God even in uncertain times. We need to know that what he's doing is wisdom. We need to know that there is a purpose and there is a reason to it all. And that could be scary. One of the sermons that was most widely received when I was in China was on the book of Job. And I'm sure you can understand why. And for them, it was pretty much, why is there suffering? Why is this happening? But there was a wisdom to it. More on that to come. Hold that thought. Romans 11, 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments 
and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counsellor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Faith in God's wisdom is about being stubborn. I excel at this. My wife will tell you, I'm very stubborn. When all the evidence seems to point out that God doesn't seem to care, you stubbornly hang on to it and say, yes, the Bible says he does. Thank you, Celia. The Bible says he cares. So even if I can't see it right now, I believe it, and that's it for me. I'm going to be stubborn about that. We can't understand what he's doing. But sometimes we can. I lay in a hospital in China at one point thinking, God, what is going on? Six months in here and now I'm in a hospital. Are you really going to send me home after this? And then some things happened in that hospital that brought others closer to Jesus, including me. And later I understood. Okay, there was wisdom in this. I just couldn't see it at the time. The unsearchable unfathomable ways of God, to him be the glory forever. You see, our minds need to be transformed to be able to understand the wisdom of God. We don't get it ourselves, and that's, that's not a, a judgment or anything like that. We're just, that's who we are. We're not God. We don't get it. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Good, acceptable, perfect. We need to be transformed. We need to actually stop treating God like a heavenly Santa Claus who gives us everything we want and start to know God who's saying, okay, This is what we're going to do for the betterment of everybody. And that's a tough one. That's a hard one. And I still struggle with it. I like TLAs. TLA stands for three-letter abbreviations. Three-letter abbreviations. I like TLA. My favorite one in my classroom is ITB, which stands for I'm the boss. (laughs) Saves a lot of time. Mr. Kirby, can we... ITB. Right, I'm not really mean like that. Well, between 3 and 3.10 I am. Anyway, at the end of here it says good, acceptable, and perfect. I love that. Gap. G-A-P. There is a gap within us, and we need to fill it. And we need to fill it with what is good and acceptable and perfect. And God is good, acceptable, and perfect. And we need to fill it with God, and we need to fill it with what He is telling us that we need in our lives. I've prayed the prayer, dear Lord, I would like a sports car. And God has said, is it good? And I said, yes. Is it acceptable? Oh, yes. Is it perfect? No, I'm probably going to do bad things with it. And so God has not given me a sports car. 
which I would feel guilty about anyway because it costs a lot of money and there's people in the world that need money. God knows me. God knows me well. When you first become a Christian, take a gap year and really study what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Take that gap year and just... In China, when somebody first becomes a Christian, they give them one year to train and study. And then you put to work. And that's a gap year. A gap year where you study what is good and acceptable and perfect. It can't wait. And if you haven't done it yet, start today. Also, when you've done your gap year, when it's finished, start again. Start another one. Rinse and repeat. Ask yourself these questions. What good things have I done through the power of the Holy Spirit today? What good things have I done through the power of the Holy Spirit? What acceptable things have I seen? And what unacceptable things do I need to throw out? What perfect things has God shown me? All of this requires a hunger, which we've sung about. Pray for that first. Pray for that first. What good things have I done through the power of the Holy Spirit today? What acceptable things have I seen? What unacceptable things do I need to toss away? What perfect things has God shown me? And if you're like me and getting older, or even if you're not like me and you're young and you have a snapping mind like this, write them down because you forget. Especially in the dark times, it's good to be able to go back and see what God has shown you before. Getting to know God requires scripture. We know most of what we know about God from scripture and everything else needs to be tested to make sure that it's in line with Scripture. This is God's love letter to us. Luke 24. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. I love sitting at the breakfast table with my wife. She turns around and she says, I've never seen that before. Right? And then we discuss what she's never seen before. And I discuss what I've never seen before. Our minds are constantly being opened to understand the scriptures. If you've read it through once, read it through again. There's layers. There's layers upon layers upon layers. And scripture tells us about God and we need that. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. But we need it through the power and leading of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever sat there in Leviticus or Numbers? Said, how long is this going to take? (laughs) Through the power and leading of the Holy Spirit. I remember sitting there looking at the begat, 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 so-and-so, begat, begat, begat. I'm sitting there thinking, God, why is this in here? This is a drudgery. And then I met some Indian friends uh, who said that the genealogies are actually a big thing for them. And I thought, oh, so you mean the Bible wasn't just written just for me? It was written for the whole world and every single culture that's out there? (gasps) I didn't get that. (laughs) But I do now. (laughs) Getting there, slowly but surely. You can come at Scripture in many different ways. Many different plans. You can do a Bible in a year. Um, we're a bit OCD in our family, so my, my wife loves to do the chronological version because that's the correct way to read the Bible. 
But it's always best, I'm going to pay for that, it's always best to get the overall context and then delve into the specific verses and their root words. So get the specific context first. Do go into all the root words. Do go into all of that. Do get into the Greek and the Hebrew. It's amazing um, what you find out. But get the context first. Let me demonstrate what I mean by that. Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13, one we love so much. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that is absolutely true, and I'm not saying it's not. But if you look at Philippians 4.12, that comes right before it. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's a bit scary, isn't it? You're amazed how many favorite verses we have that have a scary verse before or after them. Some versions of the Bible, like the NIV, say, I can do all this through him who strengthens me, which is I can do being content in any and every situation. I'm not very good at this one. If I'm hungry, I'll get hangry. All right, I'm not very good at this, being content. Oh, yes, I'm content to be hungry. No, I'm not. Where's the nearest McDonald's? Context is important. Jeremiah 29.11, my all-time favorite, uh, next to John 3.16, of course. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Absolutely, 100%, totally. Uh, straight after that. And then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Oh. I have to make some effort. Oh, no, really? Context. The second part implies effort. Yeah, God does have great plans for you. But if you lie in bed all day, you might miss them. Yeah. <laughs> Get up. That's what I tell myself every Monday morning. Get up. Get up. God's got great things for you today. <laughs> Stop laughing, Francesca. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In joke for teachers here. Um, we need some effort. I was asked by my class how many times I've read the Bible cover to cover. My answer was I stopped counting after I got to 10 times. Now, the kids, one of them who shall remain nameless, said, you're just showing off. And I thought, that's an interesting way to actually treat me after I just answered your question. Um, <laughs> and I thought, does that sound arrogant? And then all of a sudden, I just sat there, I did something very smart. I said, God, how should I answer this? Very smart. And it came to me. That would only be being seen as you know, showing off if it was abnormal to read the Bible from cover to cover. Is it? I'm 54, I've been a Christian since I'm 17. Ten times maybe probably isn't enough. So it should be a normal part of our Christian existence. We get to know God by reading his words, all of them, all of them beginning to end. It's something that perhaps we should do. So if you haven't read the Bible cover to cover yet, let me suggest to you um, to get into it. And if it's something about the difficulty of doing that, there are plans out there where it's one chapter a day 
and it takes you a certain number of years. There's a plan that I like, which does a bit of Old Testament and New Testament at the same time, so that when you're in Leviticus, you don't die. Um, it's like, uh, what I should be doing is something, anyway. I'm a bad man. God loves me. I'm perfectly lovable. <laughs> it's not abnormal to read the Bible from cover to cover, and we need to. Today, the Bible is being attacked in every which way, and we need to be able to stand up with the sword of the Lord in our hands and fight back. Fight back. I have uh, a guy I know in China. I was thinking about him when we had the um, creation ministries person here last week. He is an American guy who runs a Chinese church. He's been there for donkey's years. Uh, he is so good with Chinese that he is writing a textbook on creation versus evolution. Pray for that guy. It's like, yes. When I meet people like this, I feel very, very dumb. Because <laughs> I can speak Chinese to a five-year-old. Um, and sometimes they make fun of me. <laughs> so getting to know God requires scripture. We need to know his words. Getting to know God requires prayer. First Thessalonians 5.17. How to pray without ceasing. Okay, when I first had to try and pray without ceasing, a long time ago, I was uh, a youth pastor here, believe it or not. Yes, I was once young. Um, then I started teaching. Oh, <coughs> just kidding. Um, and it was a thing we used to do once a month, was to go out and pray all day. Pray without ceasing all day. And the first time I went, I prayed for about five minutes and then slept for about four hours. And I came back to the pastor who was in charge at that time and I said, oh, I feel so bad. And he said, don't worry, we all do that, which was great. Pray without ceasing. But I learnt this. This is another TLA. In fact, this is the perfect TLA because it is TLA. Talk less, listen more, act on what you hear. All right? Talk less when you're praying. Listen more. And act on what you hear and have that notebook there to write down what you're listening to. At one point later on when I'd learned how to actually be able to pray without ceasing and didn't sleep for like four hours as soon as I started. I went out in the hills to pray. Seven hours and 59 minutes later, I'd heard nothing. And I was frustrated and I was telling God that he wasn't doing his job right. As you do. Seven hours, 59 minutes into it. And it was like, I did a King David. God, you're God, but what? What a waste of a day. I could have been, and this, and this, and I could have, I could have. I'm sure you know what happened next. In the next 60 seconds, God showed me something that blew me away and ultimately led me to China. And the heavenly chuckle that came with it was, do you really think that that seven hours and 59 minutes was a waste of time? We're just getting you ready. Yeah. There's a guy I know in China. He's been beaten up many times. And this is what he said to me in a van driving in the dark. I don't tell God what I want. I listen to what he's already telling me in this situation. I speak along with Jesus. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. 
Then I wait for an opportunity to tell them of the one I love, God's son. But a context, he was talking about the last time he'd been beaten up. Let me read it again. I don't tell God what I want. I listen to what he is already telling me in this situation. I speak with Jesus. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Then I wait for my opportunity to tell them of the one I love, God's son. That's a challenge. A huge challenge. To see somebody come back and rejoice. I've been beaten for the Lord and I led the guard to Christ while I was there. Wow. So the next time I complain, I try to remember that. And just to put you in context a little bit more there, later on I was with that guy and I was moaning about something and he just looked at me. That's all he had to do. He just looked at me. And it was like, oh, I've done it again. Oh, yes. Please learn from my mistakes. That's my ministry. I stuff up and I tell everybody and they learn from it. Prayer builds relationship. It helps us get to know God. So hurry up and stop so you can listen. Hurry up and stop so you can listen. Sit down and listen. We need scripture. We need prayer. Scripture in context. Prayer that's listening. And getting to know God requires God. We need to have God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Once you started to get to know God and you accept his wisdom and that what he does is right, you're going to start to see his glory. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit brings understanding of Scripture and therefore an understanding of God and His glory. Pastor Amber said previously that we need an encounter with God. And we do. You just heard of an encounter with God from some young people. Tears in my eyes when they were talking. Love those kids. Pastor Sue said that we are empowered for a purpose. In the first, we experience God's glory. And in the second, we are vessels that spread knowledge of God's glory to others. The final words of Paul in Romans 16, 27. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. And if you go back to our earlier scripture, Romans eleven thirty three to 36, it starts with, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, and ends with, To him be the glory forever. Amen. If you've experienced someone or something amazing, you want to talk to them. You want to talk about them or it. Now, this wasn't scripted, people, but I want to tell you about Marilyn Withers, who was one of the people who started Easter Camp. Not scripted, didn't know that was going to happen this morning. Marilyn Withers, an amazing woman of God, she led the camp where I became a Christian when I was 17. One of the amazing things that she does is she has the ability to remember people's names, thousands of young people's names, and greet them by name every year that they turned up at Easter camp. And that made them feel included. She met my wife and I years later, still remembered our names even though we were adults now. The only thing she didn't realize is that we were now an item. The guy who I just told you before, Pastor Jimmy, not his real name, who I mentioned as being beaten up. Now I'll tell you why he was being beaten up that day. It wasn't specifically because he was a Christian. It's because he has adopted kids with special needs 
and is fighting with the Chinese government about getting them a better deal in education. There is an amazing person I like to talk about. When you experience God, you automatically want to talk about him more. So the process is get to know God through meditating, thinking on his word, and through prayerful listening. Then once you get to know him more, you'll naturally glorify his name. On a side note, the meaning of to him be the glory forever actually has no verb in the original. It means that the glory is his and we can't give it to him because we can't give him what he already has. However, that doesn't stop us wanting to do it, does it? Especially when we recognize how amazing he is. I'm pretty convinced he's okay with that. As Pastor Tom said a few weeks earlier, let, let's bring God glory with our lives. When people see us change, it's like the moon reflecting the light of the sun. People are going to want to know where that power is coming from. Now you'll note that I haven't put in fellowship with other Christians in this process so far. Corporately studying the Bible and praying together is as important as breathing to a growing Christian. However, always go to the source personally. Always have your own time with God. That must come first and foremost because it establishes a personal relationship with God, not a borrowed one. And apply this rule to your kids, the younger the better. Family devotions are awesome and equip them, but equip them for their own time with God without you as well. Let me be really blunt. Personal relationship and time with God is a must for all of us because if we only have corporate time with God, we can actually start to be a drain on others. Been there, done that. Not always, but it happens. We need to bring what God gives us personally to our corporate get-togethers or else we'll always be taking and never be giving. Using fuel instead of providing it. Now, don't get me wrong, turning up to church or a connect group bleeding out from a hard week gives us all the opportunity to love and care for you. I'm not saying to hide that. However, we also need to be seeking the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so we can pick up and carry others who are bleeding out as well. Teamwork makes the dream work. Also, as far as having personal Bible study, remember that people can get things wrong. And in 1 John 4, it tells us to test the spirits, which essentially means bring everything back to God's word and God's purpose. It is not wrong to test things for truth. Even what I'm telling you right now, please test. If I mark it up, I want to know. It's smart and it's safer. (laughs) For a time in China, I studied some of the famous historical preachers and Bible scholars. John Wycliffe, J.C. Ryle, Charles Finney, William Carey, Charles Spurgeon, Matthew Henry. And I can still remember the day when I suddenly realized that they didn't all agree with each other. On some points of doctrine, they had completely different ideas. And I felt very small and very alone that day because I realized that I needed to test and approve things myself from then on. Couldn't just go to my favorite preacher anymore. I couldn't rely on my favorite preachers because they didn't agree with each other. Scary. But also something that has driven me to seek God personally as well as corporately with others. It's both and, not either or. Now, <clears throat> for a stern warning given in Romans 1, 20 to 23. 
For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they, wait for it, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. <gasps> what a mouthful. The idea of knowing God and then having hearts darkened is a warning to us today. Not to get distracted by the things of the world, but to fill the gap in our heart with what is good, acceptable, and perfect. It's an ongoing process of keeping up our relationship with God. We can tend to complain about things. Worship's too loud, worship's too soft, worship's this, worship's that, this, that, the other thing. I'm not judging you here, I've done it myself. But when church becomes about those things and not about the glory of God, we have a problem. And we need to be very careful that we don't have our eyes dimmed. Come to church with the attitude of what can I give? That's a challenge. Come ready to receive as well. Absolutely. We come. Come on, smile, people. Look at you. You look very handsome and, and beautiful out there today. As I stated earlier, I also believe we must be careful not to try to shrink God down to some kind of heavenly Santa Claus. Essentially, knowing him is enough. The promises he gives us to stand on are a bonus that Christ gave for us. So this is the road forward. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.1-2 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. In my relationship with God, I rejoice that as the song says, Jesus is my best friend. But I pray daily that I'll never lose sight of God's glory. I want to have both views of that tiger, the lion that is not tame. God, my relationship with God is one of complete awe that he would in his glory reach down and lift me into a position within his family. And it's that attitude of gratitude it keeps fueling my resolve to always search for what is good, acceptable, and pure. He's given me his best, and I love him for it. And I want our relationship to be built on solid ground. I often fail, but I never stop trying. And what's more amazing is he never gives up on me. So how about you? How about you? Have you had an encounter with God and his glory? Have you been empowered for a purpose? If you haven't, then today's the day. Musos, if you'd come. Here are the steps. Accept Jesus. If you haven't done that today, we'd love to pray with you. If you're online, there's a contact card, and we'd love to pray with you. Get to know God through his word, especially meditating on the context. Get to know God through prayer, especially listening and acting on it. And both of those, be asking God to show you what is good, pure, and acceptable. Write it all down. Encounter him. See his glory. Share what you have experienced.
share that God is life, hope, and purpose. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray that anybody here this morning who came in feeling like you were a long way away will now feel your presence close, personal, strong. May we not leave this place today without getting a touch from you, an encounter with you. Lord, may we see your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.